Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Wow, what a perfect word for us as we begin tonight. <clears throat> you know, we have been in, well, let me just show you. Let me just recap for us quickly uh, the, the plan that we have had before us all week, every night, you and I, tonight being our last night together. Sunday, we looked at the design that God created us in his image. Monday, the weaving, God designed us for purpose and community. Tuesday, the unraveling that man chose sin. Wednesday, the weaver and the king. God provides rescue tonight. The fringe that God desires us to display his grace. Tonight's message from God's word, man, it dovetails perfectly with the spoken word that you just heard. We've been in Ephesians chapter 2 specifically, looking at the first 10 verses almost every night. Now, there's something that I want you to know about the book of Ephesians and, and how chapter 2 kind of fits into that. Why did the Apostle Paul write the book of Ephesians? You get to verse 2, which is not on the screen. Verse 1 in, in, the, in the whole book of Ephesians is that Paul, that he's an apostle, who he is, that he had been radically transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 2, it says, to the saints in Ephesus, to followers of Jesus Christ at this church in this place called Ephesus. And he had a very intentional reason for writing the book of Ephesians because he felt like the believers in Jesus Christ weren't accessing everything that was available to them. Like, do you even know what you have and what you've been given in Jesus Christ? I want you to listen to true, actual story, newspaper article that I found. January chapter, or January, January chapter, that's hilarious. January 17th, 2009 in Bay City, Michigan. Man by the name of Marvin Shores. His neighbors became concerned about him and went to his house at 1602 Chilson Street to check on his well-being. They had noticed that the lights hadn't been on for a few days and the windows of the house had seemed frosted over from the inside. They also hadn't seen Marvin looking out the large picture window as he did so frequently. Go to the next slide. Let me show you his house. This is it. This is his house. When they entered the house, they realized the power was not on. They found a heating pad on his favorite chair and they saw the oven door open. On the floor lay Marvin's lifeless body, frozen to death in the bitter cold temperatures of the Michigan winter. He was wearing a jacket over four layers of clothing. Inch, uh, icicles hang from a faucet inside at the kitchen sink because the temperatures inside the house were below freezing. You see, four days earlier, on January 13th, a worker from Bay City Electric Light and Power Company installed a limiter 
on Marvin's electric meter after four months of unpaid bills. The limiter restricted the amount of power that Marvin's house could use. And when it reached its maximum power, it tripped it and it cut the power off. Authorities said at some point the device tripped and cut off the power to his home and was never reset. This action ultimately led to the death of a 93-year-old World War II veteran. The community was outraged. There were lawsuits. There were news media frenzy for a long, long time. And naturally so. Our natural reaction to that story is, that's awful. Go after Bay City. Go after those people who put the limiter on his. But here's the deal. This this story gets even crazier because it gets even crazier because the most tragic thing about this story is it didn't even have to happen. This is what's crazy. Listen, Marvin didn't have financial problems. That wasn't his issue. You would have thought that would have been his issue. Give a guy a break. Come on. Somebody help him out. Call some churches. Wasn't his issue. As a matter of fact, it was estimated that he had over $600,000 in the bank when he died. Neighbors and the police were looking through his home and found $6,400 in large bills laying around on the countertops and the kitchen table, which would have more than covered his $1,100 of outstanding bills to the power company. What? The book of Ephesians is written to followers of Jesus Christ who may not be aware of what you have in Jesus Christ. And Paul is looking at them and hearing stories of them going, wait a minute, they're not even tapping into the resources that they have in Christ. Are you even aware of the power that is available to you in Jesus? Why are you acting like poor people? Marvin was living like like a poor man, or or, or even a, a deeper word than that might be a pauper, like a beggar. That's the picture we would get from the first part of the story until you realize, wait a minute, he had limitless resources which would have covered everything for years for him to continue. Tragic tragic story. With that in mind, I want to read Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to back up just a little bit, and I want to read this again to us. And 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 when I do this, I want you to understand something that I truly believe with all of my heart as a communicator that the most important thing that I will say to you every time I get before you or people or every Sunday morning is when I read God's word. Why? Because it's God's word. I am just a mailman. That's my role. I carry the mail to you, and my job is to simply say what he's already said. Maybe in a way that you might get it. But that's all I'm trying to do is just say what God has already said. And in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 4, everybody say it out loud. But God. But God, being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. You have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us 
with him in the heavenly places in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, listen, this is where we come into tonight. So that in the coming ages, we might show, everybody say show. Show what? Show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That because of what we've been given in Christ, because those of you last night who, who, who man, you reached out, you were, you were the everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved, Romans 10, 13. And I believe that, that many of you last night, you gave your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Some of you did it another night. Some of you have done it before, and that's why you're back at RVR. Some of you tonight, maybe you're still pondering that. I don't know. I'm still questioning. But this, this, this moment that, that I've been given this grace in Jesus Christ, now I have an, an obligation to show his grace, this immeasurable riches of what I've been given in Christ Jesus to those around me. Verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his, what does it say? We're his workmanship created, why? Listen, created in Christ for good, what? For good works. Now, good works don't get me to heaven. Good works don't get me to Jesus. That's not what it says. And and if anybody teaches you that, it's hogwash, because that's not in the Bible. I'm saved by grace, by, by grace and faith alone in Jesus Christ. But once I've received this grace, now, now I have a calling that God desires us to display that to other people around us. Why? Because we're, created, we're his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should, what does it say? Walk in them. Aren't you glad it doesn't say run in them? You know what I'm saying? Like every day, get up and sprint. Sprint like your life depended on. That's not, it's not, what, that's not what it says. It says, just walk. Listen, just wake up today and just walk in the power of Christ. Just walk in his grace. Today, you've been given grace and you want to beat yourself up because you slipped up. Some of you, I I, I hear it all the time. I don't know that I'm ready to give my life to Christ because because I know that he demands this and and, and I just, I got these things that I like and I struggle with and and I don't want to let him down and I don't want to be a hypocrite. Nobody wants to be that. And so I just don't know that I'm going to give my life to Christ because I know I'm going to fail. Well, guess what? Everybody fails. We all fail. We all fail. Maybe for the believer, it's just that you're forgiven. You've been covered in grace. It's called righteousness. That now, because of Jesus and his blood that was shed on the cross, God Almighty no longer sees you and your imperfectness. Your inadequacy. He no longer sees you that way. He sees you through the finished, completed, perfect work of Jesus Christ. That's good news, y'all. That's why it's called the gospel, good news. Because this isn't about you. It's not about what you can and can't do. It's not about your power and and, and your limited power. It's about what Christ wants to do in your life. My question tonight is, are you willing to walk it? Are you willing to to have a conversation with God before you leave RVR? Because you're going home tomorrow. And you're going to go back to your life. You don't live at the bubble of RVR. This is an amazing spot. And we need moments like this where we get away from our bubble. We get away from our life in a sense. And, and we, we turn off the phones. We turn off the distraction. 
We turn off the visual stimulus noise that's everywhere. And you got a moment to just walk out and sit on some grass and hear the creek for the first time, maybe, or look up in the, the sky and, and see the clouds moving in a different formation, or, or you meet people you didn't know, and you, and you, and you meet a counselors who love Jesus, and you're like, wow, those are cool people. And it's all for a purpose to remind you of who you are, whose you are, and that you're to go home, back to your life, back to your parents, who may or may not be followers of Christ, your brothers and sisters, people that you play sports with, people you hang out with in your neighborhood, people you chat online with, that may or may not know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you've been in, by grace, given here at camp. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What does that verse mean? That if anyone is in Christ, that you surrendered your life, you Romans 10.9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved then now you're in Christ. You've been adopted into the family of God. He, you're, you're his child. You're heir to all that is his because he adopted you as his son or his daughter. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things pass away. It blows my mind that people can say, oh, I gave my life to Christ when I went to camp. I went to RVR and I was 16 and I went and now they're 45 and they're like, yeah, but my life has been trash ever since. And I'm like, how in the world can you give your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Holy Spirit of God be deposited into your life and you remained absolutely the same? First John says, it may be possible that you were never a part of Christ. Because the light was never in you. Think about that. Does God change and God just wipe away all of your desires? No, not necessarily. In fact, some of you who gave your life to Christ, you're, the, the battle may get harder for you. Why? Because now you're going to feel the weight of sin. You're going to feel that feeling I felt when I cheated. Now I, had, now I had the Holy Spirit of God in my life who loves me exactly the way I am, but refuses to lead me that way because his goal is to make me more like Jesus. And that's not how we get there. That's not how your life radiates glory and displays to those around you the grace that you have been given. Therefore, the old passes away. It's like putting on a set of new glass lenses. And now you see things differently. I just need to tell you that. Some of you, it may be difficult to go back and sit and watch the same movies. Why? Because, think about it. I mean, I can remember when I was really being gripped with like Philippians 4, 8, finally brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's admirable, praiseworthy. Um, it, it says, think on such things. And I can remember like the, all my friends were going to see this movie and, and, and I kind of memorized that verse for the first time in my life. And I'm sitting in this movie theater that I paid, you know, however much money and I'm chowing on some popcorn. And then all of a sudden like nudity pops on the screen and they're, they're dropping F-bombs and I just got really uncomfortable. Why? Because I felt like the Holy Spirit of God is going, listen, 
this is, this is, these are things that Jesus Christ died for, and you as a follower of Jesus Christ came in here and willingly are partaking of things that Christ died for. It wasn't legalism. I wasn't getting kicked in the face. It was just this, my life is to be different. I'm, I'm called to be different. I'm, I'm set apart now. Doesn't mean I'm missing anything. It just means that, that I, I, my eyes are fixed on Jesus and not on things of the world. We're called to display his grace. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says it this way. For it is God who works in you. God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God desires, students, because truth be told, I've been in this scene a lot. I have been to hundreds, hundreds of weeks of camp. I have stopped counting. It, I'm, I'm, I'm almost tapping close to a thousand. How many weeks of camp I have personally spent? One as a middle school student, as a high school student, as five years of a college student serving as a Christian counselor in camp settings just like this, all those weeks. Plus now as a youth pastor, I've been in ministry for years upon years and, and doing camps like this. I'm telling you, a lot of weeks of camp. And I have a lot of times where I'm looking at students in the eyes and I say, tell me what's going to be different when you go home. Hey man, tell me what God's done in your life this week at camp. Oh man, this happened and this happened. And I'm like, awesome. Give me some. All right. Now tell me what your plan is for going home. Oh, well, I'm going to do this and, and I'm going to set my alarm and, and I'm planning to read my Bible every day and I'm planning to do this and, and I'm going to do this and, and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And I'm just listening. And the next thing that comes out of my mouth is, all right, get ready. You're going to fail. Oh, I wasn't really expecting you to say that. That's not very encouraging to me right now. I'm like, I'm just telling you, man, I, I've been, this isn't my first rodeo. I've been doing this a while and I got to be straight with you. You're going to fall flat on your face. Do you want to know why? Because everything you just said depends on you. And the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else who can know it. If you depend on you, you will gravitate right back to the lust of your flesh, to the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Every time, every time. If you want to sin, transportation will always be available to you. That's just how it works. Tell me what you're going to do to recognize Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, where it is God who works in you. And tell me what you're going to do to submit to the authority of the Almighty in your life every day when you wake up and say, God, today I will radically mess this up. I need you. Holy Spirit of God, would you control my life today? I want to be a display of your grace to those around you because I'm going to smack somebody today. I just know it. It's going to happen. In the flesh today, I'm going to jack somebody up because that's I just they, they deserve it. And But God, I don't want to I want to be what you've been to me in ever so gracious. It is God who works in you. Students. I love the line that so many of you are ready to go get your Columbus on. I don't know why, but as I was standing backstage watching the same screens you were, that, that just hit me. Because I've seen it. So many of us are ready to just go back and like conquer and get our Columbus on. Or, or maybe you're even sitting here thinking, man, 
that, that RVR counselor, that so-and-so, I just can't wait until I can graduate and come and then I'll get my Jesus on. And the whole point of the spoken word was, well, huh, excuse me? You're going home tomorrow. Get started right there. Get started with, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, grandma, hey, whoever you live with, let me tell you something very significant that happened in my life this week. <laughs> you may need to get ready for them to pass out on the floor. You know what I'm saying? That's where it starts. I remember one time I was on a, on a bus, 55-passenger bus, coming back from camp. Um, I, I'm, the, I'm the pastor of the church, but I go to camp. I love camp. I just do camp. And the youth pastor of our, of our church was there sitting beside me and several youth leaders on the front of the bus, students all on the back of the bus. And, and we're on our way home. Ephesians chapter 2 had been one of the themes for that specific week of camp. I got two students personally Ace was there. She was in middle school. My son, I believe, was like maybe early, maybe ninth grade, high school. I don't know. He was on the bus as well. And, and, I, and I looked at the youth pastor and I said, all right, what's your plan for continuing this momentum when we got like four hours left to where we land in, in Bedford? What's your plan? He was like, uh, you know, we're going to keep, keep pressing and keep. And, and I'm like, really? That's your answer right now? I'm going to knock you out. I'm like, bro, you ever play sports? He's like, uh-huh. I said, all right, what happens? I, said, I, I think I asked him, like, what sports did you play or something? He said soccer and basketball or something. And I said, all right, what happens if you don't show up to practice? He goes, if I didn't show up to practice, I got benched. Just like that. One time, you miss one practice, you get benched. He's like, yep. I'm like, were you a starter? He said, eventually. I said, what happens if you miss practice? Do you get to start in the game? He goes, no, not for you miss the game. Like, you don't get it. Like, what if you're the star player? He goes, you miss a practice, you're out. I'm like, wow. Isn't that crazy that sports has such a high bar and students will jump every day to them and do everything they can. But when it comes to, to the matters that matter for eternity of people's lives, of heaven and hell, we lower the bar because we want as many people to reach it. I got issues with that. I, don't, I just don't think that's right. I think Proverbs 27, 17 is in the Bible and it works and it's real. As one man, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. It's called accountability. Where you look another soul in the face and you go, hey, I will fall. I will fail. I need you to pray for me. Can, you, can we exchange phone numbers? I need you to text me. I want to text you because I'm going to be tempted. I know I am. It's real. And I, and, and I need somebody. I need, a, I need, a, I need some help. I need somebody that I can get in my corner to help me fight the good fight. By yourself, isolated, in the dark, good luck. That's where Satan wants you. But remember, he created us for purpose and community. And when you gather around yourself community, people in your corner, iron sharpens iron, so does one man help and sharpen another. And I'm like, what, what are, what, what's the plan? And, and we're just kind of wrestling through this. And I'm like, look, man, 1 Timothy 4.12 is in the Bible. He had to look it up. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Just stop right there. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. When I go and visit churches or I go and speak in churches, sometimes because I love teenagers so much, I start looking around the room and I go, where are the teens? Where are students? You know where I often find them? Where do I find them? In church. Where do I find them? 
I find them all the way in the back row. And I'm like, what you doing in the back? Why are you back here? And they're like, um, I don't know, it's boring up there, man. I might have to sing or something. And the voice is changing. And so I'm like, what are you, huh? I'm like, when, do we, when will you grab hold of 1 Timothy 4.12? Don't let them. How many of you would say church or church life at some level is a part of my life? Like I go every now and then. Okay. Number one, I'll encourage you to get there. All right. Find one in your community. Why? Because you need brothers and sisters in Christ to help you. RVR is not, is not designed to be your one stop all for Jesus. That's not their plan. They, they want to hope maybe spark something for you that causes you to go home and go, dude, that was legit. Wow. I got to give me some more of that, like on a weekly basis. Yes, you can. Right. And, and, and sometimes I get with teenagers and I'm like, why are you sitting on the back row? Okay, well, what would happen if you came to the front row? Well, then they would look at us, right? And then maybe you would stop passing notes. You might pay attention, but that's not my kind of music. Oh, what's your kind of music? Oh, okay. All right, you like it with a little more thump to it, right? You, what kind of music are they going to play in heaven? What kind of music does Jesus like? What kind of music? Oh, all right. You know what I think that is? That's called an attitude problem. Are the lyrics about Christ or the lyrics about worshiping Jesus? Can you not worship Jesus to some organ music? Oh, I'll see, you, see what, you see where we go with this? It's like, that's an attitude problem. I ain't giving in with that. Because I, I, want, I want you to be obedient to 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't let them look down on you because you're young, but you set the example. How? Life, speech, love, faith, and purity. You set the example. I've seen it. I've seen it over and over again. What happens when I just give a little challenge to a group of students at camp and I'm like, hey, I just want to I just want to encourage you because what, what happened, what you're doing here right now, your parents need to see your grandma needs to see some of the old fuddy duddies that look like they've been sucking on lemons before they came to church on Sunday morning. They might need to see something that you got because it's like legit. Oh, you think I could maybe, what, what do you think I should do? I'm like, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think you should do? I don't want to tell you. What if you got some of your friends? And what, and what will we do? I'm like, well, where do you think you could sit that you could be the most obedient to? First Timothy 4.12, the front row. I'm like, let's go get some. I'll see you there Sunday. And I remember that the first time that one of the, I saw this whole scene happen. They showed up to church early and they're looking in the balcony and they're like, hey, you, come on. Hey, over there, knucklehead, come on, come on, let's go, get down here. And the students led it. Next thing I know, we got six rows on Sunday morning taken up by all teenagers. Booted out some people because they, they got jacked up and rubbed because that's their seat. You know what I'm saying? Don't care. Get over, watch, watch what happens on Sunday mornings. When, when the pastor's preaching and he, he says, hey, we want to pray this morning for the people in our community who need Jesus. Guess who bum rushed the stage? Teenagers. If I said the word revival to you, do you know what that word means? Revival? Like there's a revival happening. It means that there's a, there's a movement of people focusing on God's word, focusing on the holiness of God, focusing on telling other people about Jesus. And I don't care what you think with love and gentleness. There's a focus on confession of sin privately and publicly. That's revival. 
Every revival that has ever happened in our nation, every single one, those are true marks of it. And do you know who has either sparked it or sustained it? Teenagers. Do your research. Either sparked it or continued it. Teenagers. Why? Because you're crazy. That's why. Right? That's a good crazy. You don't care. You don't care. You do not care what they think when you get passionate inside for something. Let the grace of Jesus Christ wash over you here at RVR, but it is not to be left here. It is to be displayed to the world out there with you. So go back to the bus with me and the youth pastor. We're having this conversation. And I'm like, what can you do, bro? What can we do to challenge? And so we sat there and thought of the, the, the 412, 1 Timothy 412 challenge. Four things. Like, what can we do? All right. What if we challenged teenagers to go pray with somebody they don't know? What if we challenged teenagers to share Jesus with somebody they don't know? Walk up, have a cold, maybe somebody at school you don't know, strike up a conversation about Jesus, somebody you don't know. Third was Third was accountability in staying in the word of God. How could you bring in accountability and say, I want it with like a habit of starting to read the word of God? So we said, all right, what if we just took 30 days? What if we challenge students for the next 30 days, read your Bible every day and make a journal entry about it because it's trackable that way. Timetable goals work better than just, yeah, I'm going to wake up every day and just maybe you do, maybe you don't. Add some goals to it. Again, some of you, you're already getting sour on this because you think it's called legalism. Listen, I am the most unlegalistic person on the planet. I think that's junk. I think it's hogwash and evil, and it does way more damage. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about inviting people into your space to help you grow. People who, who pay money to go to a gym or a, or a CrossFit box do it all the time. Hey, will you call me at 6 a.m. and wake me up? I just want, man, I don't want to miss. I want to get that. I want to get them gains. You know what I'm saying? I want to get that because I want that and I need you to come pick me up. That's what it is. All you're doing here is spiritually inviting it. And I said, all right, so how can we set accountability to it? Well, why don't, what, what would happen if they went home and said, mom, dad, I want to, I want to read my Bible every day and I'm going to make a journal entry in it every day. I'm going to bring it to you and have you sign it. I don't know. Let's try it. Why not? Invite mamas and daddies in on this journey too, because their seventh graders going to kick their butt because they're doing more than what they are, which is what we should be doing every day in the word of God. Feast on it. And then, and then fourthly was, I said, ooh, memorize Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Here's what he said to me. Oh, they'll never do that. I said, excuse me? He goes, they'll never do that. I said, bro, I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm not talking about reading every, every chapter in Ephesians. I said 10 verses. He goes, I don't think they'll do it. I'm like, bro, are you serious right now? They won't memorize 10 verses of scripture? What's wrong with you? He goes, they won't do it. And I'm like, all right, hang on a second. I pull my phone out. I pull up iTunes. Riding home on the bus. What's the number one song right now on iTunes download? It was a Bieber song. So I pull it up. I go over to Google. Bieber song. Pull it up. Highlight all of the verses. 
including the chorus. And then I dropped it in a pages document and hit word count. It was like 400 words in a Bieber song that was the number one song on iTunes download. I said, all right, you do the same thing for Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10, and tell me how many words there are. He said, 215. I said, 215 words, that's it. 215 words of life. I guarantee you right now, the majority of this bus knows this song. He goes, bet. I said, watch. Grabbed the microphone, and I was like, (laughs) and I started whipping the song out, and all of a sudden, the whole bus starts singing the song. They don't have their phones. They don't have Google. They don't have iTunes download in their ear. They ain't listening. They know it. Tell me you can't memorize scripture. That's bogus. That's bogus. You know what it is? It's because adults in your life have lowered the bar because they don't think you will. I think you will. I think you'll jump to the challenge. So we do it on the bus. We issue the challenge. We do the deal. Buses, I mean, you got socks, man, you're holding up underwear, whose is this, and all this stuff, and all this stuff's happening, and, and we issued a challenge, we got parents picking up, it's kind of mayhem, it's just going crazy. It's all over, I got two students who get in my truck, we're on the way home, Tabor, my oldest, my son looks at me and he goes, dad, two of them's done. I was like, excuse me? What did you say? He goes, yep, I already done the first two. I was like, bro, what are you talking about? He goes, while you were messing with all the parents, I took a walk around the block. What? He goes, yeah, I just walked around the block. I'm like, what did you do? Well, the first house I came to, I went up and knocked on the door. By yourself? Uh Uh-huh. Who are you? What? Anybody come to the door? Nope. So what'd you do? I went to the next house. Third house, a man opens the door. Hey. He says, hey, sir, my name is Tabor. I just got back from youth camp, and the, the youth pastor issued a challenge on the bus for us to come pray with somebody that we don't know. I don't know you, so I'm just wanting to know if I can pray with you. The dude was like, hold up. Hey, Betty, there's a kid at the door, wants to pray with us. Like, blew his mind. Blew his mind. She comes to the door, she goes, oh, look how cute. And my son looks at him and says, yeah, just, here's a story, and I just want to know if I could pray for you. And they said, yeah. Pray for, I don't remember what they prayed for. So my, my son... I think he was in like ninth grade. Goes, all right, well, if it's all right, I'll just pray with you. And he bowed his head and said, dear Jesus. And he just prayed for this couple. Said, hey, thanks a lot. And he left. And then he keeps walking. And number two was go share the gospel with somebody you don't know. He came around the corner and he's like, I don't know what I'm, how am I going to do this? And he's walking and he comes to the gas station. Dude pumping gas in a Camaro. And he's like, okay. And he walks up to the guy pumping gas and says, hey, sir, that bus across the street, I just got back from camp and I've been challenged to to share my faith in Jesus Christ with somebody that I don't know. Anybody ever told you that Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life? I'm about to wreck the truck. Like, what is happening? It's so not like him. He's not like me. And I'm like, what did he say? He goes, yeah, dude, if it'll help me get a girlfriend. I'm like, that's what he said to you? He goes, yeah, he wants a chick. I was like, what? What did you say? He said, I told him that Jesus was better than that. <laughs> like, what? Let's go. Let's go. Listen, students, the grace that you have been given, it's for you, yes, but it's not just for you. It's for you to display his grace, 
his workmanship to a world around you. Don't leave RVR and not having settled your relationship with Christ. If tonight's the night that you need to be the everyone who reaches to Jesus for salvation, listen, do not leave. Have a conversation with your counselor. If there's still something troubling you, have a conversation. Take advantage of all that you have in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each of these students. I thank you, Father, for their obedience, their courage. I'm still, I'm still blown away, Father, by the honesty on those cards. 107 students. God, dealing with difficult, difficult stuff. I continue, Lord, to lift them to you. Thank you, God, for your presence among us. I thank you for your power among us, for your word, that it can be just so simple and clear when we just read it. God, I pray for students, Lord, who are still struggling with with the surrender of their lives to you. God, may tonight be the night of salvation. Father, I pray for those still struggling with addiction, with the weight and heaviness of sin. God, would you rescue? Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace. May we walk in it in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.